nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, a warm welcome to Benin, everyone at Forward Baptist Church. It's a pleasure to be able to share with you today. My name is... Don, Don Longworth, and my family, uh, my wife Erin, and our three girls are here in Benin serving the Lord, primarily in a support role, uh, running a guest house, but I also minister um, in media, helping the um, SIM's radio ministry, and as well telling the stories and doing many documentaries of all the different things the Lord is doing here in Benin, so that's part of my, my job here. So if you're wondering where Benin is, it's actually located just west of Nigeria, between Nigeria and Togo on the west coast of Africa. It isn't that large of a country, maybe 700 kilometers north to south, but within that space there's about 40 to 50 different languages. And SIM has been in Benin since the 1940s in church planting, uh, evangelism, discipleship work, hospitals, radio ministry, all kinds of things. And now uh, the local uh, evangelical church has grown, the SIM planted has grown into the thousands of churches, which is just an amazing fruit that we can all celebrate. And we're just here serving the Lord and seeing how we can continue that work in building God's kingdom here in Benin. Well, as you can see behind me, things are drying out right now. The rains have come and they've gone. And honestly, it's my favorite time of year when the rains come. But now we're into what we would call our fall weather which is really kind of a mini hot season. It's getting pretty warm, so forgive my sweat if you see some sweat on my face. But um, yeah, one of the things that I thought I might uh, mention before I just begin sharing a few things from God's Word is a few prayer requests. Uh, one is, would you pray for uh, our family as we continue through homeschooling our kids? We have Three, three children going from grade four up to grade ten, and you know that for us it's been a real, it's been a, it's, it's been probably one of the hardest things for us. I know some people are great at homeschooling, we're not the best, but we are thankful that there was a short termer that has come out this year to help us um, teach our children. So that was just an amazing answer to prayer. A second prayer request I might have is, would you pray for our family's health, um, specifically for my wife Erin. Uh, she has had multiple bouts of malaria, so have our children. We've had our fair share of um, difficulties when it comes to health with malaria and other strange symptoms. Erin's lost a lot of weight. Would you pray for her that the Lord would just sustain her and strengthen her um, in the coming year? I, th I, I often think that from a distance, missions can be romanticized a little bit. It's, you know... 
the idea of being a faraway place and uh, exotic locations and things like that. But life um, in, in missions really has its high levels of stress in day-to-day -day living. For example, I'm recording this video um, Friday night, the day that it's due to be sent in, not because I was trying to put it off, but because of various things that came up. We were down in the capital city trying to get our residency visas taken care of. And because of corruption, we were held up for an extra day. Uh, a guy wanted a bribe and I refused. So that meant that I had to stay an extra day and until the paperwork could get cleared. Another example is this morning, I wanted to get out here this morning, but I woke up this morning and the refrigerator that we had, that's only four or five months old, just uh, decided to fry. And so we had to kind of find a, someone to fix it and figure out what to do with our food before it all spoils. And, and those types of things that really, you know, little things that add up like that, it can, it can wear, wear on you and stress, stress you out. So those are the day-to-day -day type of stresses and missions that maybe we don't talk about or maybe it's not talked about too much, but it's definitely there. And we appreciate your prayers for those types of things. One of my hats that I wear here in Benin for SIM is security coordinator for SIM's Benin Field Missionaries and for Togo. And um, I'm not sure if you've been following the news in West Africa. Mainly Burkina Faso has been and Mali have been making the news, but um, more and more along the northern borders of Benin, we are beginning to see um, almost on a weekly basis kidnappings, attacks, bombings of either military or civilian um, by jihadists. And that is becoming more and more a, a concern for our missionaries. We've had to move our missionaries south. Um, in fact, the station where I used to be stationed when I was... Um, when I was a single guy and when my wife came and I came out years ago is no longer a safe location um, due to attacks and, and threats of violence by jihadists. So if you look at the West African map, and maybe I'll throw it up right now for you to see, I'll just show you the what it was like last year as far as jihadist incidents and then what it looks like just so far this year in 2022. And you'll see how many more incidents there have been and the I guess you could say the trajectory does not look good for Benin because Benin is actually strategically important to jihadists because it's almost like a cross crossroads for supplying multiple countries in West Africa so pray for safety pray specifically not just for safety for us but particularly for the churches in outlying areas um, that we work with who are now grappling with threats of violence, um, posted uh, letters on church doors saying, close your doors or we're going to bomb you and these types of things. So pray, pray for this new dynamic for the church that is now being sifted, that the Lord will bring forth the church's gold and that um, also that the Lord will reach out and touch these disenfranchised young men that are getting sucked into the whole jihadist movement. It's actually kind of difficult to find a place that's quiet in Benin that wouldn't, where you can shoot a video and that wouldn't be interrupted by people or maybe animals. So I managed, I asked um, some missionary friends from TWR if I couldn't come out to their property here and find a little quiet corner 
so they've got a large acreage and um, they were kind enough to let me come over here and so I just parked up here in the shade and thought maybe I could just share a few thoughts. I want to thank Pastor Steve for the opportunity to speak to you at um, your missions conference on the subject of missions and um, what better way to do it than from, from right here in Benin. So let's get into it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up, please, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. It's almost like I didn't know where I was, but I am. And as you're, as you're um, moving there, I just have a few thoughts. I do have my notes here beside me, so if you're wondering what I'm looking at, I'm just looking down at my laptop. I, um, before we read this story, um, I want to ask you a question, and you probably have seen movies like this, but there's often a, a kind of movie that, um, that begins either in midstream of the story or near the end of the story, if you know what I mean. You don't pick up with the main characters until near the end, and then they basically narrate back to you what has happened up till that point. There's a number of movies like that. And when I read this, this passage we're about to read, I start thinking of the backstory of Peter, specifically. How we often look at the end of the story of Peter standing up at Pentecost, preaching this amazing gospel message under the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing 3,000 people swept into the kingdom of heaven and think that was amazing and, and it's like the apex of, of his accomplishment perhaps but not really. The point is is that that's what captures our attention but really, what really captures Christ's attention I think what's the even more pivotal moments took place far before that even before Peter was a disciple of Christ. And I want to look at that because it has so much to do with missions. It has more to do with missions than most people are willing to really acknowledge because mission starts with the small steps. And I want to look at Peter's first small steps here. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, we're reading the story of how Jesus came along the Sea of Galilee one day. And we know the story, most of us, how he began to preach. And then Peter, uh, he asked Peter, can I, can I just go out a little bit from shore in your boat? And so Peter pushed out a little from shore, and Jesus sat down in the boat, it says, and he began to preach. And then after Jesus had preached for some time, he asked Peter, can you launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch? That particular verse... Uh, in verse chapter uh, chapter five, verse four says, "When uh, sticks out to me, it did years and years ago. Um, when Jesus said, "Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch," it's that that beautiful picture of a call to go out. is is a metaphor of going out and and going out over your head, going out beyond what seems um, logical. And let down your nets for a catch. In, in a sense of being fishers of men. There's a metaphor there. <coughs> so 
Peter did eventually do that. In this story, of course, he caught a huge catch of fish, and that's the apex, and everybody focuses on that. But what I would love to just spend a few moments on, if I may, looking at the tiny little first steps. Those are the steps toward missions that matter. The big steps, the, the big catches of fish, the 3,000 that come in at Pentecost, that will come if the Lord wants it that way. But what really matters most to the Lord is the little steps of obedience toward missions. <coughs> Excuse me. I, um, I'm personally deeply moved by accounts of revival that took place in places like, like Wales, where Evan Roberts, a young man in his 20s, um, was used by God to, to preach and see 100,000 people come to Christ. But we don't hear the story of how that young man travailed in prayer in, in a little prayer meeting with some youth saying, Lord, bend me, bend the church. And there's another story of a revival in Scotland, Scotland and the Irish, or sorry, the Scotland, the Scottish Hebrides. On the island of Lewis, there was two women named Peggy and Christine Smith. One, one was blind and the other one was crippled over with arthritis. They couldn't even make it out to church, but they were among the most godly women on, on the island. They began to pray for a revival. They began to pray for the youth of their island. And uh, the Lord spoke to them, and they called the elders to um, begin praying as well. And what precipitated was, was an amazing revival that swept the whole island. There was even people saying, agreeing with one another when they went to church, now we won't be converted, will we? They said, say to each other, well, we won't. Because they were actually afraid that they would be converted, that they would come to Christ. That's how powerfully the Holy Spirit worked in that time. But Christine and Peggy, one was blind, one was doubled over and crippled with arthritis. And yet the Lord used them. They couldn't even leave their house. And the Lord used them for a massive uh, awakening in, the, in that island chain. And then you read about Philip the Evangelist in the Bible who went to Samaria. And he went because basically because of persecution. They, um, they were forced out of Jerusalem and he came to Samaria and preached the gospel. And there was such a huge revival they called the apostles to come too, to help them with bringing in the fish, so to speak. But all these people were just essentially nobodies. They weren't really any, they weren't well-known or anything, but yet the Lord used them in, in incredible ways. I I like the backstories. I like hearing about how David slew the bear and, and the lion when nobody was watching. And that's what pleases the Lord. I want to talk about that today because when you think about missions, I think, it can be romanticized and um, made out to be, um, or for some people looking at us perhaps going all the way to Africa with a family of five and dealing with malaria and all these things thinking, how do they do it? Look, we're just normal people. We're just taking one little tiny step at a time. If we thought about the magnitude of everything that we've got done to come here and the things we've left behind, it, it is big, but it wasn't all at once. It was one little step at a time. So when I read this story of, of Peter, I want, to, I want you to think about the little steps that Peter took. 
the little steps that Peter took. But before that, I want to remind you of one other person in the Bible who I think was a little bit similar to Peter at first. And you might think, well, I don't think that Moses would be similar. Well, I think Moses was quite impetuous when he was young. Peter was the type of guy that would speak first and, and then insert his foot later and act first and then regret it later. But Moses did the same thing. And the Lord took him out to the desert for a 40-year training circuit. Can you imagine Moses' diary? Moses' diary. Day 14,589. Moved the flock three miles east of the brook, but found it dry. The sheep are bleeding relentlessly and complaining. Bessie had twins last night. It's hot. It's really hot. There's flies. You know, I'm not enjoying this too much. One of my favorite paintings is um, entitled Moses Watching Jethro's Sheep. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Moses Keeping Jethro's Sheep. And here's Moses, and he's just leaning against a, a boulder, and his hand's hanging limp, and there's this sheep that seems to be nibbling on his hand. And he's got a far-off look in his eyes, the type of far-off look that someone would have after 14,000 night, nights and days in the desert watching sheep. <clears throat> and it's said that that painting was took uh, was capturing the very moment that Moses' eyes caught a glimpse of a burning bush. After 14,000 days, his self-ambition and his ideas of how he was going to sort out things and be the big man had completely evaporated into the dust, had been blown away by the desert wind. And then the Lord stepped in. And I find that very many times that the Lord steps in at those points where we have finally given up on our own ambitions. And um, it's important because then God can step in with his better plan for us. So let me just read this passage quickly. One um Luke chapter 5, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, Speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large sum of fish that their nets began to break. And they had to call their friends. And the story goes that Peter was so overwhelmed that he got down on his knees. And he said to the Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinner. Now, I want for a moment just for us to rewind, like I said at the beginning, the movie that starts at the, starts at the end. The end part of the story is, is they caught a lot of fish. And the end part of the story for Peter is that uh, they, that was that, that preaching and seeing at Pentecost and, and seeing so many thousands of people come to Christ. But 
the real critical, critical moment before all of that. Here's a man who had fished all night, all night, caught nothing. How would you feel? Um, if I don't get to bed until midnight, I'm awfully grumpy in the morning. But here they are. They're out there in the sun fixing their nets, their nets that didn't have, have, they didn't catch anything with the night before. And this traveling preacher comes along and starts preaching. Now I could imagine Peter working away and listening and looking up and being moved in his heart by what he was hearing. Not so moved that he was overwhelmed with the man, perhaps, but enough that he saw something different in Christ and authority. Something different. Something that somehow dissolved all some of his worries of the day, that his preoccupations. And that is my first point. If you want to be used in missions or wherever you are for the gospel's sake, the first thing is, is that you can't be so task-oriented that you cannot begin to see the Spirit of God when, or when God is moving, when God is showing up. You've got to have an ear open and interruptible, be interruptible by God. And so here Peter is beginning to be interrupted just ever so slightly by a man preaching. And his name is Jesus. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus says to him, would you mind if I get in your boat? And can you just push out a little from the shore? Now that's quite a request, actually. If you were, if, if Peter's heart hadn't been softened somewhat and opened somewhat to Jesus, I'm not sure he would have just said, hey, traveling preacher, look, I've been working all night. I'm fixing my nets. i got to go back out tonight. You know, um, that's my boat. Sorry, man. And, and, and Jesus said he got into the boat. I mean, it says in the story that Jesus got into the boat. So I'm not sure if Jesus even asked. He just got into the boat, and then he asked. So Peter might have, could have been annoyed about that. But this, so the first thing was he listened, and the second thing was when Jesus asked him, interrupted his work, he got up, and he put out a little bit from the shore. And Jesus sat down in the boat again, and he speaks, and he continues speaking. And that, I just see the gradual steps of how one tiny little bit of listening to Jesus, then one tiny little piece of obedience. Imagine if Peter hadn't just, hadn't gotten the boat and hadn't pushed out. That would have been it. And for us and for you and me, the most precious piece of obedience, I think, that we can offer to God, is the one that seems the most, well, is the most insignificant one. It's the small obediences. It's the small things. I'm thinking of, while I was driving out here, I stopped at a traffic light leaving town, and there was a um, Muslim beggar. And, and he's a grown man with, he looks like he's got a limp, of, of some kind, I'm not sure, he's partially lame, and he was begging, and so you understand, most of the Muslim beggars are actually fundraisers for the local mosques, okay, so the mosques will send them out, 
and they'll collect money as alms because it's one of the five pillars of Islam. And they'll bring that money back and in exchange they'll get some food. Okay? So that's kind of how it, how it rolls. It's kind of like a... Uh, it's an interesting system. So I don't generally give money to these guys. I'll, I'll talk to them or give them a cookie or something. Anyway, I rolled up to the traffic light and the guy knows me and I'm at first, I was like, oh, it's AC, and I had my window rolled up, and the guy's talking to me. I was like, okay, I roll down my window. And the only reason I, I really sensed it, because the Lord said to me, roll down your window and just talk to him, ask him his name. I don't know if anything else will come from that. His name was Musa. And I found out he was from Nigeria, and his friend was some, from Niger. I said, oh, I was, I've been in Nigeria. I said, I, I grew up in Niger, too, so I know that was a connection there. That's it. There was nothing massive or big about it. But those are the things that God can use. He uses the such insignificant things in your life when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to reaching out. I look at how many times, just ask yourself, how many times in the Bible did Jesus use something pre-organized? How many times can you name that Jesus was pre-organized in his ministry? He did do some. But for the vast majority of those those divinely appointed instances where miracles and things took place, it seems so random. and so it, it was just the day-to-day -day thing. And so when the Spirit of God prompts you, can I just encourage you, with the next small thing, you might say it's so small it doesn't even make sense to me. Don't. It's, it could be the Spirit of the Lord just saying, hey, would you, would, you, would you let me get in your boat and just push out a little from the shore? And so you see the next step again after that is then Jesus, he's sitting in the boat, he's preaching, and Peter's listening more. So that's the, the, the Lord. He, he doesn't just go obedience, 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 obedience. He, he, he gives you something. So Peter heard him while he was making, mending the nets. Then he asks you something. Then he builds into you. And then he asks you to act on that faith again. So the next thing Peter's asked, can you put out into the into the deep and let down your nets for a catch? And this is from a preacher who doesn't know anything about fishing as a carpenter. Well, Peter probably didn't, maybe didn't even know that. But either way, that was probably the next big ask. And it was another big step up for Peter. Now, we all look at this story and think, wow, it's an amazing story how they caught all that fish. But again... If, if I was in Peter's position, I think I'm, I'm kind of like the, um, more like a critical type person. I think I think I might say, look, uh, I'm sorry. I'm really tired. I got to finish mending my nets. I appreciate it. And I would have probably passed him up. I probably, I might have passed him up. But there was something in Peter that had, his heart was open enough. And I think it had to do with listening to Jesus as he was sitting in the boat. I can't, I can't prove that, but, but I think it's the case. Now, if Peter had, had been asked right straight away from the very beginning by Jesus to get into the boat and push out and go out into the deep, I don't think Peter at all would have done that. But because it was the third step on the way, the Lord knew what he could handle. The Lord knew how to crack Peter open. And the Lord knows how to crack you open. He knows how to do it with me. Stage, step by step, he opens up opportunities of obedience for us. 
old Leonard Ravenhill said, I believe um, the rungs on the ladder of spiritual maturity are found in one thing. You ready? Obedience. The thing is, is that we think our obedience has to be something massive. But God's, God's looking for you to be obedient in the time, that small thing that you're being nitpicky about. Perhaps. I'm not sure. But ask the Lord. Lord, I, I, I know that you want to do bigger things perhaps in my life. I know that you want to be, use me for the gospel's sake in other people's lives in my workplace or perhaps in the missions or wherever it is around the world. I can't imagine myself right now packing up and selling everything or closing my house and going all the way over across the world living by faith on, on um, people who support. I can't imagine speaking in front of a church. I can't do all those things, Lord, but the Lord said, I, who are, all I need you to do is do one step of obedience. And then the Lord will reward that and he'll, and he'll build into you that confidence to take the next step that's bigger. I mean, look at David, right? David with the lion. David with the bear. David with Goliath. Okay? Moses. Moses with the sheep. Moses with the sheep for for 40 years and then he had to deal with more sheep that were a lot more ornery for 40 more years in the desert do you see the Lord's building in obedience and so let that just be an encouragement to you I hope um, I know it's a simple message but I believe it's it's the way the Lord works in us and him the way he wants to work in you and the key phrase in this passage is found in this verse. Let me just find it for you. He said he got into one of the boats. Jesus got into one of the boats. The one belonging to Simon. And he asked him. He asked Simon. Simon put out a little from shore. Put out a little from shore. So here's my, here's my challenge to you. Today, ask the Lord, Lord, in which way can I put out a little from shore with you today? A little further out than I've never been before. It's not far, I know, but just a little bit further out from shore. A little beyond the borders of, of the ground, that solid ground that I've been on, that I feel safe in, that I've managed all my life. But bring me out. Lord, a little from shore. The deep comes later. The deep comes when you have the confidence built up. The deep comes when you know that you know, and, you're, and it doesn't seem as big of a jump at that point because you've already, he's already proven to you a little from himself. Jesus has proven himself already a little from shore. So today, let me just encourage you, when you think about missions, ask yourself, and pray, Lord, take me out a little more from shore. Lord, bless you. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you. We appreciate everyone at Forward for your support and your prayers. May the Lord bless you. Can I pray for you? Lord, you know me and you know how often I like to stay in my safety zone of comfort. Even when it's just a matter of going in circles all the time. But when you show up, you... 
aren't satisfied with us staying in one place in creating our safety boundaries. Lord, you take us out and then you build us and then you take us out further. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't do it all in one shot. But Lord, today I ask that you would all help us all to just put our boats out a little further from shore each day with you. Lord, we're called to be fishers of men. And sometimes we aren't even fishing for minnows because we're too scared to even put our little toes in the water. So Lord, start, start us with minnows, start us with the shore and take us deeper. Lord, that each one of us could be found on the rungs of obedience with you, climbing up that ladder of spiritual maturity that pleases you, that we're walking by faith, Lord, yet we leave all the miracles and all the big things to you, but I know that what pleases you most is faith and obedience. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.